If you lost a survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to this premiere week's Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and I just got back from a great time in Los Angeles, both at the RHAP 10th anniversary party and just in general with some awesome patrons who were there. Joining me, of course, here on the podcast is my co-host, Jessica Lewis, who unfortunately couldn't make the trip, but was there in spirit. I know you're rubbing it in my face right off the bat. I really yeah, wish yeah. I could have been there. Oh, Lord. So yeah, I, uh, sorry if it feels like I'm rubbing it in, uh, <laughs> but well. I did have a blast and there were a lot of people I asking know. about you. Well, and I appreciate that. And I really wish I could have gotten out there. It's hard. It's in the middle of the week. Obviously, I have a rather demanding job and schedule with my job. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to get out there and it's all the way in L.A. I'm all the way in New York. But I'm so glad that you were there to represent Why Blank Lost and also get all the inside skinny from everyone you got to hang out with. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll talk about that offline. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's it's secret, man. I know it um, is. Now, I I did have several people in L.A. ask me about both my own history covering Survivor and the history of this podcast. So I wanted to briefly go over it again for newer listeners uh, or those who just might not have caught it before. Uh, anybody who's heard this can uh, consider it a refresher. Uh, so after season one. I wrote a newspaper article about the rules players should follow in future seasons. I then incorporated that into my writing on the web, which became part of my site at the time, Reality News Online. Every season, I updated the rules a bit to account for new strategies and tactics and the overall evolution of the game. And each week, I would write about why the player who was voted out lost, among many other articles and columns that I wrote at the time. A number of players used my rules as research, including our very own podcast leader, Rob Sesternino. Now, uh, time went on, and uh, eventually, after a number of years, I had to close down Reality News Online, and the column obviously went on hiatus. But after a few years had passed, Rob and I reconnected, and the outcome was, well, Why Blank Lost podcast. Rob and I did it together for a few seasons, and then the decision was made to split it off into reality TV wrap-ups and bring on a new co-host with me. Jessica was the obvious choice because she had been following the podcast closely and interacting with me online during her own season. And now here we are. Ta-da! Yeah. And can Yay! I tell you, I really wish I was one of those people that had studied up on your rules before I went out there to play the game. I unfortunately was one of those survivors that was not all integrated into the survivor underworld, as I like to call it. <laughs> And unfortunately, I am only now realizing the benefit that your rules have and that every player moving forward should definitely follow these rules. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the co-host. I'm saying it because they're actually they are right, David. You really are right about the rules. So <laughs> got to admit that again. But yes, it's been wonderful that I've come on board with you and gotten to do this with you. And yeah, just, I just, I love it. And it, it's caused me to watch the show differently, which is also fun because I don't necessarily just watch it as a fan anymore. Now I also watch it as how are they playing the game in relationship to your rules? So it's kind of messed with my head a little bit too. 
Yeah. I blame that now, on uh, you. Speak- okay, well, good. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the David, you're right. I did get to meet uh, your old savior, David Wright, uh-huh. and uh, talk to him uh, for a little while and uh, mentioned, you know, that whatever he dealt whatever else he did in the game, the most important thing was getting yelled at. David, you're right. And, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and he said it was such an embarrassing moment for him. But I said, well, you know, I, I liked it. So it, that was all that was important. It was so much fun to watch. It was so much fun yes. to watch. That was one of the the actual challenges I sat out for, which I would have loved to participate. But getting to watch people run around with blindfolds on, that was definitely entertaining. <laughs> I like that a lot. Anyway, uh, getting after that tangent, uh, getting back to uh, what we do here. uh, Each week, we look at the game of the person voted out and compare it to my rules so we can evaluate how they did uh, using all of the non-spoiler information available from what we saw on TV, plus clips from CBS All Access and YouTube, interviews when they have them, and even social media. I do not have a version of the rules fully put together yet for this season. And I'm debating as to whether I will, because this season is so specialized, mm. but you can find the most recent season's version at Rob has a website.com slash blog slash survivor rules for anyone who wants to read through them. Or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form at tinyurl.com slash David rules poster two. Now, uh, listeners, note the two at the end there now because eBay messed with us and we had to change the link. So, again, that's tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes, and get on the eBay and order because we just got a nice fresh batch in. So we have a lot of posters to sell. And also, they look incredible, lovely in a frame, only $20. And also, if you're interested in receiving it outside of the United States, Just contact me through Twitter. You can DM me and I can make arrangements to get it to you wherever you may live within the world. Yeah. One funny thing was uh, in L.A., I had a couple of people recite that whole uh, that whole thing that you just did. (laughs) And then if I'm outside the U.S., I will DM. And well, we have to say those things because I will tell you this. I appreciate everything eBay does. But eBay got frustrated with me for telling people through eBay messages. Hey, you can email me if you live outside the United States. I got in trouble for that. So I have to say no. it here. I can't say it uh, through eBay. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. eBay can't reach us here. Right. <laughs> but yes, if you're messaging, sending me questions through eBay, that's the response that eBay is going to give me. So Yeah. Anywho. So, so with all of that explained, uh, we, we, uh, do talk about a few other aspects of the episode before we get to the rules. And I know I have some things that I want to discuss. Uh, As I was watching the premiere, I was so nervous for some of the people I've met, the people I know, the people I consider friends like Adam, Mm -hmm. as uh, you, Jessica can attest to from my texts to you while it was airing. Yes. Oh yes. And yeah. Then later I was nervous for Tyson and they're just, too many people to root for in this cast. I I don't know if I can take it all season. No, I'm telling you, this is one of the first times I can remember in a very long time watching a season of Survivor and feeling anxious as I sat on my couch watching. And it, it was such an incredible sensation because 
the game really was moving at such a different pace than we've ever seen. And obviously, we know these people so well. We're invested in their in their stories. We we know their backstories. We know where they came from. We know what types of winners they are. And then to see them all having to take those parts of themselves and mix it into one season and see how it's going to churn out was just it was mind blowing. I loved every second of it. Loved it, even though it was nerve wracking. And I probably put the butterfly effect into place with my winter pick, <laughs> but <laughs> it was still incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, losing Natalie and Amber as the first two boots, nothing against them, but that was probably the best I could have hoped for from an emotional perspective. Mm. Yeah, I I do think that they were... Yeah, I think there could have been maybe one other person that would potentially... I would have been like, not yeah. that it would have been okay with it, but it would have understood it. But I think that uh, Natalie was... Natalie was was a lot as far as an unexpected person to necessarily target right away. But the manner in which we got to Natalie, I got to give some serious props to Adam and I'm sure we'll get there, but wow. Oh, yeah, We'll get there. Wow. That's yeah. I, I got to give him props for that. So yeah, incredible, incredible premiere episode, incredible premiere episode. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, we'll be, uh, you know, you mentioned Natalie and we'll be talking about Natalie and Amber you know, much more in a little while here. But at the beginning of the show, Amber said that many people thought it was an advantage for her and Rob to be there together. But it was really a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's both. It could have been an advantage for both of them if they both made it to the point where they ended up on a tribe together. But it was a disadvantage for her from the start because people knew that it could be an advantage, which, of course, we'll get to later. But I just wanted to mention it because she was making it sound like, oh, it's only a disadvantage. Well, if it had only been a disadvantage, you'd have been fine. The problem was it was both. Right. And I also think it's it's worth noting, too, that it could have potentially been more of an advantage for her had Rob not upset Sandra. From their 36 days they spent together on oh, season 39. Okay, so that I keep wanting to jump ahead. I know, ahead. I brought this up. You did. I brought this up. You did. It's my own fault. You did, but yes. Um, but related to Amber getting the boot, we saw Jeremy get his fire token the morning after Natalie was voted out. And I'm hoping that since Amber was on a different tribe from Rob, they won't give Rob her fire token until after we get to see the look on his face at the next challenge when her tribe shows up and she isn't there. I highly doubt that because one of the options for the fire tokens is to buy something for the next challenge. So I think he has to get it before they go to the next challenge. Cause that's, isn't that one of the things that they can do get an advantage yeah. in a challenge? Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think they have I, to I want to see his face. I know, you know but having no clue. No, I think I think they're going to have to give it to him right away because that's the rules of the tokens. Yeah, boo. Well, you know what? Sorry. What I say? Uh, <sighs> yeah. It takes away that, that emotional impact moment. Yeah, but then we're going to get the angry Rob when they get to the challenge. That's and what I want to see. Yeah, I but he's, see. he's still going to be angry when he looks over at that that group of people and points his finger at Sandra because he's going to be convinced that Sandra. So yeah, I mean, I think we're still going to get there. We'll still see it. All right. Well, of course those tokens lead us to the next topic and well, 
we might as well get this out of the way. Regular listeners or Twitter Twitter followers or, you know, just about pretty much the whole world knows exactly how we feel about the edge of extinction concept. Mm -hmm. And here we are. And I already hate it again. Still, whatever. I hate it. (laughs) Natalie is out of the game. But like she said, she can still affect the outcome of the season. Yeah. No, just no. She was voted out of the game. She should not be affecting the game at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I I agree. I felt the same way about Edge of Extinction. I appreciate the fact that, yes, we get to see the survivor players that we know and love, and that's great, but it takes away from the actual game itself. And the the whole point of Survivor is voting people out. And if you're voting people out, they should just be out. They shouldn't be having any effect on the game moving forward. And we've said that time and again. And I think that perhaps Jeff Probst has listened to everybody who's been complaining about it Mm. because it sounds like it's not coming back for a while, just based on interviews. Right. But now in the meantime, we've got this. Oh, sure. Where they're affecting the game even more. And I'm going to go against what you said about appreciating that we get to see more of the winners we know and love. I want to see them in the game. I don't want to see Natalie climbing up a big staircase. Ooh, how exciting. No, it wasn't. Give me another minute or two of the people who are actually playing the game. Oh, and I don't disagree you with know. that. I don't. And I, but I do think so, that that's part of the, like, I think it was part of the draw for a lot of these returning players. I think these returning players were probably told that Edge of Extinction is going to exist because I think they probably wanted their TV time as well as potential well, me, of coming back into in the here. game yes let me jump in here so uh it, it depends who you listen to okay jeff probst has made the claim that all of them wanted uh some way to return and that's why he brought back edge of extinction uh i want to point people to dalton ross's article for entertainment weekly about this first episode now part of it is that he talked about his views on Edge of Extinction, which pretty much mirror mine. So anyone who hasn't already heard me talk about them on prior podcasts, believe me, I have a lot more to say than what I have said already. You can go check out the article and you can basically see them all in print. Mm-hmm. But of particular interest in that article is that he discusses some things we didn't see. In the second tribal council, he notes that Edge of Extinction became a major topic of discussion. First, Yule called out Chris Underwood's win as very controversial and polarizing. Mm -hmm. I knew I liked Yule. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandra then weighed in, saying that someone should be out when they are out. Sandra said this, okay? One of the top draws. Jeff took a poll of the tribe asking who likes Edge of Extinction as another chance to get back in the game. Only three out of ten players raised their hands. Mm -hmm. Sarah, Amber, and Nick. That's it. The other seven did not. So even a large majority of the winners who he said all wanted it do not want. Okay. And point taken. Yeah. I will also point this out as well. And because you mentioned Chris Underwood and how Ewell was talking mm -hmm. about his win being controversial. I thought it was interesting when I was kind of thinking this over after our last podcast. If CBS truly believed that the edge of extinction was the up and coming survivor world that we now live in. And that 
Chris Underwood deserved his win and that the Edge of Extinction was a legit part of this game and shouldn't take away from his win. Why wasn't he invited back for this season? Winners at war. If they really loved it so much, why not bring Chris Underwood back and say, no, see, we agree and we support fully Edge of Extinction. So we're bringing that winner back because he did such a phenomenal job because he really did. Chris Underwood did everything he needed to do to prove that he should win based upon the game he was handed, which was Edge of Extinction. But I thought it was interesting they left him out of the mix. Mm -hmm. It is interesting because if he had been on the TV, a lot of people would have been like, who? Well, yeah. So I just I feel like CBS was presenting it as if there was this huge support behind this prospect of Edge of Extinction. But they're not even supporting it themselves because they're not including the person who won the Edge of Extinction season. Right. And not to go on about this too much longer, but there was some discussion at the know-it-alls about Edge of Extinction. And, you know, uh, uh, Kelly came out against it. Lauren was against it. A number of people were against it in that article that you had mentioned before. Uh, Victoria being, you know, of particular interest. Um, now. David Wright did say he liked it. Mm. And it's possible that I was sitting in the front row and booed him. <laughs> um, possible. <laughs> possible that I did not realize how loud I was booing him and did not think that he, he and Rob would hear it. But uh, it's also possible that I went up and apologized. And uh, so, you know, anyway, uh, but it is a, a controversial opinion on his part, certainly. Uh, compared to a number of people from even that season. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rick so. posted some stuff on Twitter about how Natalie's walk up that mountain, as they were describing it, mm. really wasn't that difficult. <laughs> He's like, well, especially for her. I mean, you know, she's like a fitness queen. She is. So, so yeah. it was probably like a walk in the park for right. her. Um, but anyway, there, I, I've actually gone on about this far longer than I had intended to. I just wanted to mention a couple things. But, you know, it's that sort of topic where once you and I get started, it's hard to say. Oh, I know. It's the way it is uh, sometimes. So, so hopefully we won't have to talk about it much in the uh, rest of the season, but unfortunately, I have a feeling it will keep coming into play and we'll deal with it at the time. We will do our best not to reiterate any past complaints and only stick to new complaints. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll just stick to the new just ones. Just the like new complaints. Thing. Okay. Yes. All right, we'll see if we can do this. So, all right, with all that out of the way, and uh, you know, we're we're uh, like 15 minutes plus into things that we haven't even gotten to the rules yet. Right. So, let's move on to the two people we're really here to talk about. Natalie followed her twin sisters being the first one out in the season, while Amber was first out of her own tribe. What happened to cause each of them to become the target, and what could they have done differently to avoid it? It's time to find out why Natalie and Amber lost. Dun dun dun. Yes. No, we want, we aren't done, done, done. We're just starting, starting, starting. Mm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, the first and most important rule talks about the need to scheme and plot. Now, in Los Angeles, I was asked a number of times how my rules have changed over the years. And this is one place where they definitely have not, because it has always been the number one rule. And this premiere again showed why neither Natalie nor Amber were particularly involved in scheming. We at least saw Natalie participating in some strategic discussions, but what she was doing was not really helpful. 
Natalie and Jeremy had been pushing the idea of Adam or Denise as a target. And then Parvati had a group together trying to, you know, get everyone to decide on one person. After some prodding, uh, Danny suggested Adam, but then Natalie pulled back and said, well, there are pros and cons for both. She was in the situation where she needed to pick a name and go with it. Mm-hmm. And she had plenty of time to do so by being so fancy fencerton. It, it left that choice up in the air and the name had already been chosen. Someone else threw out the name and she still retreated from it. And it was, that was an interesting scene, too, because even when Harvardy tried to point out the fact that, OK, so that's the name we're going with. That's who we picked. Then there was really a recoil. Well, no, no, no. That's we didn't pick anyone. No, somebody just said the name Adam, but nobody wanted to then own it. And I'm glad they didn't vote Adam out. But but I do think that Natalie's response to it there and then also the conversation we saw between she and Rob and Jeremy and there was a group of other people when they were building the shelter. And it was another one of those. Well, let's pick a name. You know, what are we going to do? And she was also the one that, again, seemed to be pointing out, well, there's there's good arguments for both of them. And, you know, they had a map and they got lost, you know, so she was instead of, again, picking one of those two, she was arguing that, well, either one is good enough. Either one, there's reasons for both. And I, I agree with you that it's, you need to kind of pick a name, go with it instead of this waffling back and forth, which we saw her doing in at least two of the conversations she was involved in. And she did the same thing even with Jeremy when they when she and Jeremy were talking alone. It was the same kind of well, again, there's arguments for either. And I, I get it. Nobody wants to be the first one to say the name, but somebody else had already said the name. She just needed to jump on that, you know, that boat and go with it. Yeah. And then when nobody would pick, Parvati asked Rob, do you think they're just dumb or really scared? And to me, it was clearly the latter. Nobody wanted to be pegged as the person who named someone first. Right. Even though, like we said, someone already had. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they were playing so tentatively because they were worried it would be turned back on them. Yes. And while that's a legitimate possibility, as we've seen many times when people push too hard, in this case, they overcorrected and went the other way, not pushing hard enough. Yeah. I mean, I think even though I'm going to talk about a different tribe now for a moment, I think we saw that exact moment with Tyson when he was in that situation being asked about a name. And his response was, am I, am I going to get in trouble for saying a name? So they were all very right. much aware of this. No one wants to be the first person to drop a name thing happening. And it was it was kind of almost amusing to watch such incredible players who have played this game multiple times and have done such a great job with it actually being nervous and being afraid. It was it was such a shift from what we've normally seen from these players because there was that hesitancy that we normally didn't see, but I think the hesitancy comes from the fact that they played the game before and now they understand the ramifications of being the first one to drop a name, being the first one to be told that you dropped their name. You know, we saw that that moment with Danny and with Boston Rob and how she got called out on it. And, and it, so the whole thing it was really interesting to watch them all kind of tippy toe around this issue while still trying to be strategic at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, moving to Amber. I think Sandra said it well during tribal council. Uh, Amber hasn't been around for a very, very long time. You have to keep up with the pace or you're going to have to move out of the way. And, you know, I'm not sure Amber really started running, let alone keeping up with the overall pace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dalton Ross, in that article of things we didn't see, uh, said that 
you know, one thing that didn't make TV was Amber saying Tony was creating a target on himself by the way he was acting. And then Sarah replied that it was a wake up call for those who aren't used to the new pace of the game with Sandra again, adding that Amber couldn't keep up with Tony. Yeah. We also saw Amber even talking about that herself in not only her confessionals, but also mentioning it in tribal council herself, just about the pace of the game. And I think Sandra is the one that did say in tribal council, basically like, get out of the way then, you know, if you're not, you know, so, so I do think that Amber was very aware of the fact that she was in a tough spot that she needed to do something, but she didn't even really know what to do because she was questioning herself. Like, do I need to be out looking for an idol? Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Like, this is a whole different game. So even though she was very aware of it, I didn't see her moving very quickly and really trying to get at people. She was present for conversations, but the only time she was really kind of leading the charge was a conversation she was having about Sandra. And I think she was talking to Sophie, if I remember correctly, where she was suggesting that there's this idea that, you know, shouldn't we just be focusing our attention on Sandra? But that was really the only time that I really saw her trying to lead the vote in a particular direction. Yeah. Now, Tina said on the recap podcast with Rob that Amber may just be too nice and not have the killer instinct. And I agree. Mm. She was never known as a big schemer. She just paired up with people who could do that, as we discussed in both of our two preview podcasts. Mm -hmm. This time, I don't know that she even really had much opportunity to try that. Though It seemed like maybe she was intending to do that with Tyson, at which uh, Tina also said on that podcast. Yeah, and I think that she gravitated towards those people that she knew and the people that she felt comfortable with. She knew Tyson, she felt comfortable with Kim, but unfortunately, those were the other two people that everyone was talking about. So that was kind of the the worst of the group that she could have gravitated towards because she was just putting herself in a minority with the other two people that were also in the minority. Yeah, and all three of them were possible targets. And each of them handled it differently. You know, Tyson went from the mode of trying to control the game to just surviving. He recognized what was going on and he's like, okay, I have to switch up. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw a montage of Kim trying to talk to people and place herself in conversations. It didn't seem to be working, but then we heard from Yule on Twitter that he ended up talking to Kim and getting her on board. Mm -hmm. We didn't see any of those sorts of actions from Amber, despite the fact that she said at Tribal Council, when $2 million is at stake, friends or not, we're willing to do anything. Yeah. But, well, what did she do? Yeah, and that, unfortunately, we, we didn't see. So maybe she tried and we just didn't see it, or maybe she didn't try, and that's why we didn't see it. But it definitely didn't have the uh, reaction, or at least it didn't appear that she had the reaction like Tyson or like Kim in order to try to save their games. It seemed to be not accepting of her fate, but it, yeah, there was no killer instinct. I think Tina probably mm-hmm. said it best when she explained it that way, because that, that wasn't the reaction that, that Amber had at all. Right. All right. So moving on to the second rule, which says not to scheme and plot too much or too obviously, and not to backstab too soon. Well, we just got done talking about how neither Natalie nor Amber did enough. So it seems like they probably wouldn't have done too much. And that is true except for one important part of the rule that says not to form an obvious duo. Now, there wasn't much Amber could do to hide her obvious duo since she got engaged and married on national television, Mm -hmm. and they have four kids. I I wouldn't exactly expect her to get a divorce before filming just to comply with this rule. (laughs) Uh, 
nevertheless, the rule stands and the other players weren't going to ignore it. Yule said on Twitter, Amber and Rob had the one alliance in the game that would be unbreakable under any circumstances. So I thought it prudent to vote one of them out before there was any chance of a tribe shuffle. And Sarah noted to Sandra and Yule that you can't infiltrate a situation where people are family outside the game. Mm, yes. And obviously, if they had gotten a divorce, that would have been really interesting to watch, right? <laughs> well, Could you imagine? <laughs> right before the season starts, right. there's this big announcement. That would be crazy. No, I do think that I love this fact, or I love the fact that going into this season, we didn't know how any of these prior relationships or relationships outside of the game were going to be handled because what we've seen in years past is that CBS doesn't really want to talk about alliances that are created pregame or outside of the game or relationships that people have outside of the game. Obviously you can't get past the fact that two people are married and they're coming in and playing this game. So that's clearly going to be a topic of discussion, but wow, was every outside potential friendship alliance poker plane was discussed. I mean, and all of it was like kind of owned and really leaned into, which I thought was incredible to see. So it wasn't just so much about Rob and Amber. It was about everybody's outside relationships Mm -hmm. and games and, and equating it to like that family type relationship and how close people are outside of the game really had a huge effect on how people looked at, other people in the game. I was really impressed that they not only owned it, but they really let people talk about it and just made it part of the actual game itself, even though all of that stuff, it wasn't part of the game, but it became part of the game. Yeah. Now I would say uh, to take a slight tangent here, some things they didn't talk about, like we knew going in that Yule and Nick and Michelle had an alliance that they had apparently created pregame. Right. Which we thought was pretty random. And then you see Yule and Nick hook up on the show and start to create an alliance from that. Mm -hmm. If you're just watching, you're like, oh, well, that's interesting that they came together, not knowing that there was this other thing going on in the background. That part wasn't discussed, but all of the publicly known stuff was discussed. And I'm sure Poker Night in America was very happy to get a plug on CBS. Oh, I'm sure. And I do love the fact that Yule is someone who is kind of playing both sides, really. He's someone who was the first to go after the Poker Alliance and really put that on everyone's radar. He was one of the first ones to talk about it. He mentioned specifically the scene that, you know, he had seen on TV, Mm -hmm. the actual when Tyson mentioned it. He's the one that really got that that ball rolling. And at the same time, he had an outside pregame alliance already set up. (laughs) So it was like he's calling people out for doing it. But obviously, nobody knows that he and Nick have this secret alliance that they formed. And so he's shining a light over here going, everybody look at this. But secretly, I'm doing the same thing. But nobody knows about it because mine wasn't on national television. So it's just so great that he's playing both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Now, getting back to uh, Amber. Um, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious what we were just talking about, but in case we needed more support for this, uh, we can look at some of the comments made while voting courtesy of Dalton Ross. Again, uh, Nick said two shots at $2 million is too many. I've seen survivor all-stars and I don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendell said in a season of pre-existing relationships, you are the deadliest combo. 
And Ewell said, this is purely about neutralizing the strongest partnership in the game before it's too late. Yeah. How about the fact that Adam called it out in the middle of tribal council? Oh, yeah. Well, he had to. Right. But I, I mean, it's so it's so great know. that he did that, though, that he was willing to really lay it all out there as Boston Rob is sitting there and they're at tribal mm-hmm. council. And he's pointing out the fact that you have people that are married that are playing the game together. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think that it's it's something you can't overlook. You certainly cannot overlook. Right. Now, as for Natalie, she wasn't married to Jeremy, but even she said on the episode that he might as well be blood with her. Uh, the, the difference is that at least she could have hidden it by not making it obvious and reminding everybody out there how close they were uh, by, by, you know, making it obvious. It gave Adam who you were just talking about and others, the opportunity to point it out, noting, for example, that the others should be way more concerned about Natalie and Jeremy's existing relationship uh, on top of the marriage that you just mentioned rather than the few minutes he'd spent lost in the jungle with Denise. Right. I do think, though, for Natalie, I feel like she kind of got put in a difficult spot that wasn't of her own creation. She was put on a tribe with Jeremy, whereas she could have been put on the Red Tribe and not been on a tribe with Jeremy or vice versa, because we've got people on the Red Tribe that have played the game together before. So things could have potentially been switched up there. Uh, but I also feel for Natalie because she was the half of that duo that went, I love Jeremy. I think Jeremy is great. And I think they probably decided to keep Jeremy over Natalie because of his physical strength, but also she's a beast. So mm-hmm. I feel like really that's a toss up. They could have kept her too. So it is unfortunate that that was a relationship that yes, was created because they played the game together previously. But then they were also put on the same tribe together. So she was limited in in her approach, but she could have potentially gone to people and said, listen, I, yes, I played a Jeremy before, but that doesn't mean anything and tried to downplay it. But it doesn't look like either of them tried to downplay it. It looks like they approached it like we're together. Let's, you know, we're going to play this game together and we'll play it with you as well. So there was no downplaying of that. I think they thought it was going to work to their benefit and then realized that it didn't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, once again, for support, we can look to the voting confessionals. Ethan said, you and Jeremy together are a superpower and we can't have that right now. Parvati said, you're the glue that sticks Michelle and Jeremy together. And Danny said, I'm just really worried about how connected you and Jeremy are. Now, do we think Ethan, Parvati and Danny were so connected to the survivor community that they would have otherwise known how close Natalie and Jeremy are is I don't think no, so. They're not at all. <laughs> they're definitely right. not at all. So, so it, what they saw came from what happened out there, Yes, which means the two of them did a poor job of. Hiding. And also Adam, I'm going to go back to Adam here. I think that Adam was part of the reason why this picked up so much momentum. Adam realized he was in trouble and Adam started going to all of the, Players that really mattered. He saw that Ethan had an ear that, you know, and he was listening to Boston Rob and he was listening to Parvati and he could go back and talk to them. And he planted a seed with Ethan. He also talked to other people that were, I don't know, I don't know if he had a direct conversation with Boston Rob. I can't remember that or not, if it was only Ethan that went back and talked to them. But 
he's the one that really kind of put this idea out there that those are the two that we need to be watching out for. Those are the two that are together and have a previous relationship and played the game together. And then again, mentioned it at tribal council. So I think that Adam really has to get a lot of the the props here for putting that out there and putting it at the forefront of people's minds. And then they see what Natalie and Jeremy are doing on the island and realizing that, hey, what Adam is saying makes sense because look at them. They're clearly playing together. They played the game together before. And so he created this atmosphere in which people started to pay more attention to it. Right. No, I agree. Um, Now, before we move on, I want to point out one piece of potential scheming and plotting too much that came back to haunt Amber, even though she wasn't the one who did it. And this is what you referred to uh, earlier in the podcast. Mm. We, We heard Sandra being very insistent that Rob said during their 36 days together on Island of the Idols that he would never come back out to play. Now, we weren't there, so we can't say for sure what happened. But the stories between Sandra and Rob and Jeff Probst are all contradictory as to the timing of when they were asked and when they answered. Uh, But from Sandra's point of view, Rob told her he wouldn't be there. Whatever happened, Rob turned Sandra from a potential tight ally into an enemy who can't trust Mm -hmm. him. She now she couldn't do anything directly to him, but she could reach him via Amber. But even that's a little bit contradictory because when she was voting, Sandra said, unfortunately, the majority of the tribe wants you gone because of your husband and it's not fair. So I don't know if she really did push the issue or not. I, it is so confusing right yeah, now. Yeah, I noticed that, too, that her voting confessional was definitely not on, didn't seem to be in line with what she was saying out in the island. But she also was very mindful of the fact that in one of the confessionals, she talked about how she didn't want to come out and play emotionally. She wanted to play strategically and she felt like she was playing emotionally because of this Rob and Amber situation. So I think she was actually struggling with it and that she didn't want to vote Amber out. But at the same time, that was where the momentum was was going. And, you know, Sandra, everybody but me. And so it's Mm -hmm. not her name being thrown out there and she realizes that she's a huge target and why aren't people voting her out first, but okay, they're talking about Amber. So I'm going to get behind this. And that conversation she had at the well, she didn't tell them to vote out Amber. She was just letting them know that this happened. And Sarah was appalled that oh he lied to you for 36 days. And so again, it's that it's the ability for people like Sandra and Rob, how they play this game to put ideas in people's head without necessarily Mm -hmm. telling them what to do. And that was what she was able to do was use that information to make it seem like a good idea to target Amber, even though she didn't really feel comfortable with it or feel like that was strategically a good idea, but it was going to take any attention off of her and put it towards Amber. So I, I thought it was a very creative spin. So maybe it was both for Sandra. Maybe it was, I don't necessarily want Amber to be voted out, because it's emotional, but at the same time, it is not me, and there is a strategic benefit to doing it. So there we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a combination. It's just, uh, you know, very confusing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go on to the rest of the rules, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, if there are any from your area. You might even hear a familiar voice, but if not, we'll be back even quicker. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So let's get on to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. What do you think about Natalie and Amber in this regard? Well, I think we kind of addressed it in a roundabout way already, is that even though we can start with Amber, I think Amber walked into this game realizing that she was going to need to switch things up in order to play at a different paced game than what she's accustomed to. But we didn't see her do that. We saw her kind mm-hmm. of falling into that same way that she played the game before. She tried to kind of link up with somebody else. She went to Kim and she went to Tyson and didn't really seem to be moving at a pace that matched the pace of the other people that were playing the game with her. And I think Natalie kind of fell into that same kind of not the same game she played before, but Natalie ended up, I think really doing so well in her previous season because of what happened to her sister. And so there was kind of like this fire under her that was lit. And so she decided at that point, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to push and I'm going to, I'm going to play this game hard and I'm really going to go at it. And then Jeremy got voted out and it just, it kept feeding that fire. And I don't think she had that fire in her yet because this was a different type of group she was playing with, really. And I think for her, she didn't necessarily switch up the approach on her game because she didn't think she was going to get voted at first. She said that on Edge Extinction. I never thought that I would be the first one gone. So I don't know if maybe she was kind of just waiting, but it seemed to be a different type of Natalie. So, I, I mean, I don't know if they were necessarily flexible in their approach with the way that this game was actually being played. Yeah, I mean, it it may seem at first glance like Natalie was being flexible by being open to either Adam or Denise. But as we've uh, already discussed, that was, well, that was just being wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. She didn't really have much opportunity to be truly flexible because she didn't realize what was happening. Right. And, you know, as for Amber, well, I, I mean, she wasn't flexible in terms of trying to find a plan that would work. And for comparison, we can look at how Tyson saw what was going on. And as we discussed earlier, switched the way he was playing. Amber didn't. Yeah, no, I think that they both. I know. I feel like Amber was very wide eyed for a lot of the a lot of the episode, just kind of taking it all in, but not realizing that she needed to respond to what was happening and not just Mm -hmm. kind of watching it happen. Right. So going to the fourth rule, it tells players not to let their emotions control them. And I don't think either player had a problem in this regard. Neither was making decisions based on emotions from what I saw. Yeah, no. I th- and I think that Amber talked about the fact that she was struggling with that idea or the this watching her husband lose and rooting on her team. Mm-hmm. But then also understanding that by her team winning, her husband's team is losing. But I don't think it affected how she approached the challenges at all, which was which was good. I mean, we got to see her struggling, but not letting it affect her negatively. And yeah, I don't think I don't think we saw anything with Natalie in this regard either. So I think they were good to right. go. Okay. Now the fifth rule is all about the social game and reminds players that they need to pretend to be nice. Once again, I certainly didn't see any problems here. Did you? 
No, I no. I mean, I, I feel like I, well, because I'm 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 struggling so much with Natalie because I feel like I feel like we missed out on a lot of Natalie because a lot of what we saw with Natalie was directly associated with Jeremy. And I wish that we had seen Natalie really trying to talk to people without Jeremy, because that might have helped her do a better job at playing the social game herself. But she was so tied to Jeremy. I don't I don't remember actually seeing Natalie having a strategic conversation without him being present. I could be wrong, but that's I'm not remembering that that happening. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Yeah. As far as, you know, pretending to be nice, a number of the comments made while voting for both of them, I think, include things like you seem really nice or you know, you're a nice person uh, before, you know, the other shoe dropped of the butt and explaining why they were voting one of the two off, which, you know, we've already gone over. Oh, yeah. I mean, Amber. So I mean, everyone was like, you seem like such a nice person. You are such a nice person. The same thing with Natalie. And and I think they're both very mm-hmm. nice people. But I do think that it's one thing to be nice. And it's another thing to take that and turn it into a strategic game. And I, right. I feel like that's exactly. what they were both lacking. They weren't turning that into a strategic game. They were just being nice to people. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. The sixth rule warns against being too much of a threat. And as we mentioned in both of our preview podcasts, we're going to be seeing a lot of this rule come into play. this mm-hmm. season. Uh, Sophie said before the second tribal council, this season, every single person is a threat. And that's true. Uh, Boston Rob said in the first tribal council, there's a there's a reason to vote off every single person up here. Now, I think he was mostly trying to distract attention from himself as probably the biggest target because he continued. Everybody's won the game. Everybody has a target. Mm-hmm. And all of that's true. But some targets are bigger than the others. And this is where we turn to Amber because she shared in the target that's painted on Rob. Yes. Uh Tina and Rob Sesternino discussed on the recap podcast how Amber playing the game the way she did would not have been seen as, you know, needing a target if it hadn't been for her husband. And they're right. But she is there with him. And that made her a much bigger threat by association than if she had been out there herself. Oh, for sure. I I mean, the game that we were seeing Amber play for those first few days was not a game that I think would ever cause someone to be the first person voted out of their tribe because she wasn't really throwing out anybody's names. She wasn't being overly strategic. She wasn't doing anything that would cause anyone to look at her and go, wow, we got to watch out for Amber. But because Amber is the other half of Boston Rob, everybody's looking at Amber. So it's unfortunate that she ended up becoming a threat because the other half of Amber is Boston Rob. And that's just, it's too bad because if he hadn't been out there, I do think Amber would have been seen much differently than she was. Yeah. That was a decision they both Mm -hmm. made, you know, now the other aspect of Amber being a threat came in Ewell's focus on the so-called poker Alliance. And, you know, sure. Tyson was probably individually a bigger threat within that group, but Amber was once again, faced with guilt by association. She didn't play poker, but her husband did. And it was reasonable to presume that if there were such an alliance, she would be a part of it. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. probably didn't hurt that it seemed like Sandra had been naming her as, you know, well, her husband, as we mentioned earlier, uh, because 
we saw it in the first vote. If you name somebody, it's more likely to go in that direction than if everybody walks around and refuses to say anything. For sure. And also just the idea that they have no idea when the tribe swap is going to happen. And obviously it could Mm -hmm. be farther down the road. It could be sooner. I mean, with this particular season, who knows? Uh, They could be doing it next week for all we know. There could be a tribe swap. And the idea of Boston Rob and Amber getting together is a very scary prospect because everyone has seen what they can do together. And then you definitely have two people who are going to vote together. So it's two votes instead of one. And so there's that fear factor that comes with the Boston Rob and Amber Alliance. And so stopping that in its tracks, I think we, you know, Ewell was completely right in how that became the focus because someone like Tyson, although he might be more part of this alleged poker alliance, he's not married to anyone on the other tribe. And we saw how quickly Tyson was willing to switch and say, no, if it's uh, I'll, okay, I'll vote for Amber if that's what I got to do, because I just need to save myself here. Whereas I don't think that we'd be the response you would get from Amber. You know, if it was, you got to vote out your husband, I think that would be a, a struggle for her. So keeping Tyson over right. someone like Amber makes sense because Tyson seems more willing to play the game and make those decisions about friends. Cause it's not about spouses. It's about friend. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. Now, going back to Natalie, she was not the same kind of threat as Amber, but was, as we've discussed, in a duo with Jeremy. That was a more immediate threat, Mm -hmm. as the two of them were on the same tribe, and they formed a trio with Michelle, and the others wanted to break that up. Plus, of course, they were a direct threat to Adam and Denise, who needed to find a different target to point at, and they succeeded. Yes, and again, I, I just think that this is, it's such an interesting dynamic to watch in a season where you have people who are potential duos kind of duking it out. And Adam was able to turn this around and turn it against Jeremy and Natalie. And I I feel like Jeremy and Natalie almost got too comfortable in thinking that they were okay, because we even saw it during the the tribal council where they were realizing did Rob and Harvard pick me like, did they cook something up? Like is something happening? So I think that Jeremy and Natalie got too comfortable too quickly and not realizing the threat level that they were potentially bringing by being a duo, whereas Adam was very quick to try to deflect that and not make people focus on it. Even though he's clearly in a solid duo with Denise, he doesn't want people to know that and he doesn't want people to think that it's a thing, whereas Natalie and Jeremy did not do that. Yeah. And apparently you were talking about the whispering, according to, again, the Dalton Ross article, um, there was a ton of Mm. whispering, standing up, moving around, Mm -hmm. talking for everybody but Adam. Apparently, Adam just sat there uh, until the very end um, when when, uh, Rob and someone else came over and talked to him. But for the rest of it, there was a ton of whispering, which I'm surprised we didn't see. But, you know, I I mean, they show what they want to show. Right. So and I do think in the end, it came back to what the plan was anyway. I I feel like even though we didn't see it, I feel like it wasn't a live tribal council. I think Adam had presented his plan. The others had their plan. And I think that what they came in there planning to do was also what they left planning to do. So there was no reason to show all the whispering. And I do feel like Adam's approach to this game is. Obviously, he's what we've been calling new school. And 
I think that he knew that either this worked or it didn't. And there wasn't going to be a live tribal. And so turning it into this whole whispering thing, and I'm just trying to think of it from Adam's perspective, he probably knew mm-hmm. wasn't going to make or break it for him. And he was probably more worried that it was going to break it for him as opposed to, you know, right. to helping him at all. So it was that was probably why he sat there very quietly, because sometimes if you make too much of a big deal about something, it might make someone start looking at it differently. And if Adam's approach was just very like, this is the way it is. Those two know each other. Those two like each other. Look at them. Don't look at me. He didn't want to give them more reason to look at him. And so I, I, I like, I really am proud of how he handled that whole tribal council. He was very controlled. He was very calm, knowing that he had a target on him. But he didn't freak out about it. And he kind of let things happen and unfold and made very strong points, very bold arguments in front of everyone. And it worked out the way that he needed it to work out. So I, I, I'm very impressed with how he handled himself, that tribal. Okay. Well, good. Uh, moving to the seventh rule, it covers idols and advantages. And while it might seem that this didn't come into play at all, and I would indeed say that was the case regarding Natalie, Ewell's Twitter post has some information about how it related to the amber vote he said one reason he didn't want to target tyson directly was that he thought tyson was more likely to have found an idol since he'd done so in a prior season while amber had never played in a season with idols plus Yule knew that there is generally in his words a weird and really unfortunate statistical imbalance where men are far more likely to find idols since Yule wanted the primary target to be voted out rather than the backup it made more sense to go with Amber for this reason, among all the others that we've already discussed. I know. Leave it to Yule to bring like physics and mathematics into all of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just incredibly impressive. He did one hell of a job out there for sure. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. It certainly was considered. It was something that uh, was part of the the decision making. And we we saw Amber try. She did go out looking for idols, but she was also mm-hmm. very aware of the fact that she couldn't be gone that long. And again, she doesn't know how to even look for an idol because this is all new to her. So unfortunately, she didn't find any in any of the places she looked because that would have been that would have been really quite interesting if she had pulled that off. Yeah, when she was looking, I thought she was going to find one. I mean, she was looking in some pretty standard places where they might hide an idol and they usually don't show failed idol search attempts. Now, we later realized why, because she really could have used it. but. Um, you know, at least she was looking. She was. But I also feel like this is one of those seasons where they're probably going to change up how idols are hidden mm-hmm. because there's this obviously idea that you don't know how to find an idol because idols haven't been played on your season. So I think they want to take away that potential ability to find an idol from everybody. So I'm curious to see how they're going to switch it up. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. All right, so we move on to Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting, and particularly uh, usually voting out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Now, right now, the tribe should generally be voting out the weak. Uh, clearly, that wasn't the case from a physical standpoint when it came to Natalie, mm-hmm. because, well, we've talked about it. She was a beast in the challenge. But we have to remember that the term weak can also refer to how they're getting along with others in the tribe and the effect it has on overall tribal unity. In this case, though, I'm not even sure we can really say Natalie was a problem in that regard. 
But the tribe did need to come to a decision, and they eventually settled on her. In this case, I'm not even sure we can really say Natalie was a problem in that regard. But, you know, it is about the tribe keeping their end goals in mind. And, well, they needed to move forward. So they, they had to come to a decision and they eventually settled on her regardless of being weak or strong. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those situations where if you can finally come to that consensus and people seem to be agreeing on a name, and in particular in a season like this, where nobody wants to be the first one voted out. I mean, Danny talked about that. Like, you don't want to be the first one voted out. And they're they're all very fearful of that being their their legacy, if you will, like how people will remember them. They were the first one voted out of winners at war. So I think that once they all kind of got there, they were probably fine with letting it be like, that's it. Okay. So Mm -hmm. then we're all going to be fine and none of us are getting voted out, but too bad for Natalie. Right. Right. Now, as for Amber, I think the literal meaning of weak did come into play as Yule said on Twitter that he felt they needed Tyson's strength for challenges since they had just lost Mm -hmm. one. Now, was it the overriding factor? No. But if you're looking at getting rid of someone in a particular group, and that group includes Tyson on one hand and Amber on the other, pretty clear who's going to be more helpful in the challenges. Uh, Plus, Yule showed that he was keeping his end goal in mind by also noting on Twitter that he wanted to keep open the possibility of aligning with one or more of the remaining members of the so-called Poker Alliance. And we indeed saw that Tyson was brought to heel, at least for now. Yes. And then also Endgame being an eventual merge when you've got Boston Rob maybe coming back into the Mm -hmm. fold and Amber is no longer there to be part of that potential duo everyone was very worried about. So I do think that Endgame was certainly being considered by people on this tribe when they were making that decision about who needs to go. And Amber, unfortunately, fell on the sword. Yeah. All right, it's about time to wrap things up here. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are, wow, what an incredible premiere episode. I'm just going to say that again. (laughs) I'm going to start there because really, I think this is a season that so many of, of, you know, the Survivor world and the Survivor fans were really wanting and hoping was going to be incredible. And so far, they've delivered. This, This cast is just incredible and they're all playing incredibly diverse complicated games right off the bat. I mean the, the pace was a reoccurring theme that we saw everyone talk about how quickly the pace was moving and how different they needed to approach the game. This old school versus new school mentality is kind of at war too and I love that. So overall, props to everyone because it has been nothing but entertaining, edgy your seat, just great TV. So thanks for that. As far as Natalie and Amber, I think each of them played different games from what we saw, and they both came into the game having played very different games. We discussed how Amber was very much part of a solid duo, whereas Natalie wanted to be part of a solid duo. And unfortunately, her sister got voted out and then Jeremy got voted out. So she was really having to fight alone. So she came into this with a different type of mindset and how her game should be. Unfortunately for her, she was already tied to Jeremy. And as she did say, it was like blood. And you've got Amber on the other side who has her spouse playing the game with her. So I do think that we saw both of these Survivor players fall prey to being part of a duo. 
And we've talked about that numerous times and how being part of a duo and having everyone know that you are part of a duo really puts a target on your back. So unfortunately for Natalie and Amber, while they both came into this having played very different games previously, but they still came into this being part of a duo, unfortunately. And so for each of them, I think that was a huge reason why they were voted out as soon as they were. I do think that we're going to see some very interesting gameplay from each of them on Edge of Extinction. I'm just going to go there, David. I know you hate it, but it'll be it'll be strange to see how those relationships carry into Edge of Extinction and how we see them affect the games of the others because of those previous relationships. Amber was wonderful to see again 16 years later playing this game. Natalie, obviously much more recent. I don't think that Natalie was someone who anyone anticipated would necessarily go out first. I think Amber was someone that more people had anticipated would because of the relationship with her husband. But unfortunately, I think they both fell prey to that being part of a dynamic duo that everybody knew about. And unfortunately, you're playing with a group of individuals that knew what to focus on and they focused on those relationships. And so the fact that we're having a season of 20 winners and prior relationships have become such a big part of the game so soon right off the bat, it doesn't surprise me that the first two people we lost was one half of a duo. Those are my thoughts. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as we've discussed, we figured that being a threat was going to be a big issue this season. But the question going in was whether the biggest of threats would be targeted right off the bat. The answer was a clear no in the first vote and a sort of in the second, though it still came into play in both. Natalie made herself into a threat due to her pre-existing relationship with Jeremy, which they apparently did little or nothing to hide. In our full preview podcast, I said, I don't feel like Natalie is connected to anybody but Jeremy, but she's lucky enough to be on the same tribe as he is. That may keep her safe initially. As it turned out, eh, not so much. It was quite the opposite, and the lack of other connections made it easier for people to land on her as the choice. But more importantly, everyone on Natalie's tribe were playing far too tentatively and passively, except for the two biggest threats. As I said earlier, they overcorrected so as not to get in trouble for being the first person to name a name. Natalie had the opportunity to simply say, yes, we agree on Adam. And if she had, that might have been it. But by hemming and hawing, it left things up in the air shortly before the vote. And nobody wants that. When the other side named her, there was a specific person they could lock on to and good reasons to do so. There were good reasons to focus on Amber as well, with the biggest one being her husband. Like I said earlier in the podcast, both of them playing in the season could have both pluses and minuses. She got hit with a big minus. But Boston Rob wasn't the only reason Amber got voted out. She was not the only possible target, but the others worked to get out of their situations while Amber apparently wasn't doing so. The pace of the game was fast, and Amber was never going to be able to be the big schemer. We saw Tyson realize what was going on and switch gears. Kim realized it and did everything she could to get in with people. Amber, not so much, at least not from what we saw or didn't see. Yes, she was in an obvious known duo. Yes, that made her more of a threat. But the key was that she didn't get herself out of the situation. That's really what both women voted out on premiere night have in common. They were parts of duos which made them threats, 
but they didn't scheme enough to get out of their situations. And that is why Natalie and Amber lost. Well, there we are. There we are. So, next up, predictions. Mm. And I'm going to throw the ball to your court first. Okay. So, here's my thoughts. I think that Blue Tribe is going to end up going to tribal council. Okay. And I feel that way because if you look at the breakdown of the premiere episode, I feel like we saw a lot more of the Blue Tribe. And I'm going with colors. I'm not going to try to remember names. I feel like we saw a lot more of the Blue Tribe than we did the Red Tribe. And we saw a lot more scheming and plotting coming from the Blue Tribe. Because I feel like we're building up for what's going to happen in the second episode. And it's going to come back to Ben and Adam. We saw a whole lot of both of them for various reasons in the first episode. You know, Ben with his starry-eyed staring at Boston Rob and just (laughs) telling him all of the truths of what's happening and how he was kicking himself for doing so. And Adam having to fight from the bottom and and get the target off of him and switch things up. And Ben is now realizing, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything to Boston Rob and I want to keep Adam around. So I think that's going to come back and bite them because who are they playing against? Boston Rob. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I feel like as much as I want to applaud Adam for his approach, because he really did save himself this episode. Boston Rob is so good. I mean, he's so good at just being able to manipulate a situation and just flip things around and do it in such a way that you don't even realize what's happening until after it's happened. I mean, what we saw him do to Ben and what we saw him do to Danny, it was so incredibly impressive. And so I feel like Ben's going to want to fix this and feel like, okay, I want to bring the the new schoolers together. And we, we really got to take this away from the old schoolers and it's not going to work. And I really think between the two of them, because I think it's going to be Ben and Adam that have kind of spun some things. I feel like Ben is going to be the one that ends up getting voted out because of it. That's my thoughts. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's my crazy thought, but that's my thought. Okay. Um, well, uh, honesty time here. I totally forgot to do predictions. That's why I threw it to you first. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I don't know which tribe will go. The one thing that I did notice is on her tribe, Michelle is like the only person who is absolutely hanging out there all alone in the wind. Mm-hmm. And because in the other tribe, when Yule went and voted out Amber, he also pulled in Kim and Tyson. So they're not just hanging out there. Michelle is. She is just, you know, dust in the wind at this point. And therefore, if the others decide to name a name, she could be an easy target. So that's where I'm leaning, that they just, you know, if that tribe does lose, that they want to be like, okay, well, here's the easy target. Just go for Michelle. Yeah. So that's going to be my prediction. I, I do feel like, though, 
that part of the reason why Arvati wanted to vote out Natalie was because she wanted Michelle. I, that's what I feel. I feel like she wanted well, that's she wanted to bring Michelle into her into her fold. So I don't know, but I that that'll be interesting because I do feel like Michelle has kind of been she's kind of left out there. But that might make her a free agent, and it might put her in a position right where Arvati wants her to be, and can then bring her in as like the, uh, the motherly mm-hmm. hen. You know, <laughs> like I'm going to going to help you now. I don't know, but. Yeah, that it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean the other option is that we did see, you know, near near to the end of the episode that some of the pieces and parts of that tribe were getting wise mm. to the Rob situation. We could see them turn on. I hope uh, not. Because I hope not too. In my yeah, in my uh, draft where you pick one person to be safe, um, and then the last person you know who still standing. Um, is is the winner um i picked rob because i thought well i think he'll be safe this week mm. and then i rewatched the episode and went oh that was a terrible pick so we but could I be do saying feel goodbye like, to rob but here's the thing too and i know i've already done my my spiel on this but i i just feel like you have so many players that want to keep the larger threats around to keep themselves safe because they don't want to then be the one that's targeted, that he, it, it's still kind of early on in the game that if you keep a Boston Rob around long enough, Boston Rob is someone that everyone's going to want to vote out at some point because nobody's going to want him to get to the end. So it might be a safer bet to keep him early on as opposed to some of those people that are kind of going to be able to fly under the radar. And if they're already like kicking up too much, you know, dust right now, then maybe that's someone we need to to just send over to the edge of extinction. I I don't know, but I feel like he's got at least another week in him. I really do. Okay. Well, for my draft sake, I hope yeah, you're right. No, but, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, as we uh, begin to wrap things up here, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Uh, Rob has been saying there's no better time to sign up than right now. And I agree. He's starting a brand new patron-only show the hour before each episode of Survivor. And he already does at least five patron-only call-in shows a month, plus a weekly Q&A show with his wife, Nicole. And, of course, patrons get first access to live show tickets, such as the four this season, uh, at least one of which fully sold out to patrons only. He also has Facebook groups where you'll find a great community of people you can talk to about survivor big brother etc and you can sometimes go to the shows and meet these people and they are just awesome all around so remember to go to rob has a website.com slash patron and once you get to the facebook groups make sure to say hello to us yes and you definitely should become a patron if you haven't already you are completely correct when you're saying these shows sell out and they often sell out to the patrons first so if you have any interest in going to the shows it's a great way to get tickets first and it is a wonderful group of people that definitely love this show it's a wonderful survivor community if you really want to talk strategy with people this is the group of people to do it with and also you can say hi to us on twitter i am at jessica lewis 89 and david bloomberg is at david bloomberg make sure to follow us both because then you get both sides of the conversation and uh david i have to give you a little bit of guff right now because i did not see any selfies really posted from you out in la like I promised all the listeners that they would be seeing a bunch of selfies posted on Twitter. So 
you should really get on that because I know that that's something you love to do. So that's at David Bloomberg. So look for those selfies yes. and at Jessica Lewis. Yes. 89. Right. Yeah. Now there will be pictures. There will be pictures coming. I posted the one with the queen right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, um, which, by the way, was not a selfie since someone else took it. <laughs> and uh, in general, I tried to have other people take the picture when possible. Although, uh, uh, you know, we did have to do a few selfies because there was no one uh, who had empty hands near Come us. Come on, your selfie uh, game but, is strong. I want to see it. Yeah, I don't know about mm. that. But so, yes, I will be posting those soon. Probably, um, you know, I'll, I may start before this podcast even hits the airwaves. Uh, in the meantime, we need to come up with a hashtag. And uh, I don't really have one. Mm. The, the best I could think of was not something we said, but something that, uh, you know, happened here, which was duo threat. D-U-O threat. Yeah, I think that's great, because I do think that that's the reason why both of these individuals got voted out was they were part of a duo. That's right. And of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, YX Lost. Uh, before we finish, I want to remind everyone that the second printing of our poster is now available. We have plenty of them, so let the orders roll in. And of course, it covers all the rules and was uh, drawn by Eric Reichenbach. So go to tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. That's the number two at the end there. Yes, and it is only $20, and I promise to get that mailed out to you as soon as your order is in because we have new posters. Uh, the last few that were ordered, I apologize. Those took a little bit longer because I had to wait for the new batch, but we have the new batch. So place it orders. It's only $20 really looks great in frame. And like I said, I already talked about the fact that if you were outside the United States, you can still order, just get in touch with me. And also um, we need to do some thanks right at this point in time. Sure. We are going to thank Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing on Why Blank Lost Podcasts. And also we're going to thank Will from America for the incredible theme song. And thanks, David, for another great episode. It's been super fun. And this was an incredible premiere episode to do a podcast on, I must say that. Yes. And yes, thanks to you for a great premiere episode. Um, We'll be back next week. And of course, to make sure that everyone gets that next week, you should subscribe to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or on your favorite podcatcher. We are also on the reality TV Rehap Ups feed. In both places, you can find great content like the Know-It-Alls, the Wiggle Room, This Week in Survivor, the RHAP B&B, and much more. And next week in particular, we are going to be doing something we have never done before. We will have a guest, a special guest joining us to talk about episode two. We will both be here. We will also have a special guest. Uh, so join us right here in a week to find out who that is. And you can hear all about why blank loss. It's such a mystery. Who will it be? <laughs> That's right. At this point, it's kind of a mystery to us. Too, I love but, it. You know, it's great. So, all right. We will talk to everyone in a week. Bye. Bye. Jessica will turn it around They'll break down the rules And they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost